Welcome to the North Brevard Church of Christ podcast. I'm Doug Hunter, one of the elders. We hope that this podcast makes our sermons and Bible studies more accessible. This is Chuck White's Auditorium Bible Study from January 12th, 2020. It is based on the Gospel Advocate Foundation series on Peter and the Book of Acts. This class looks at Peter and John at the temple in Acts chapter 3. Of course, it's five after. Should I ring the bell? <laughs> okay. We may as well get started. Since I got a few slides. Okay. We're in chapter three. Imagine that, huh? Comes right after chapter 2. And Brent's going to do chapter 4 next week. But this is Peter and John the temple. Everybody's read this how many times? A couple hundred at least. They'll know about the story. So I'm going to try and drag something out. Maybe you didn't realize or hadn't thought about. So, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, in other words, when he was born, was carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering, entering the temple. So, easy one. What time of day is it? Huh? The ninth hour of the day? No. The first hour of the day is 6 a.m. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody's up and awake. Why is that time of day important? Why would um, Luke, Luke wrote Acts, why would Luke include that? Except that was kind of a Luke thing to do, was include all the facts. Well, he's been laying there probably a good portion of the day. But to me, that would be the latter part of the day. Every, this would be kind of a rush, wouldn't it? This is when a lot of people are going to be at the temple. They're not going to be there first thing in the morning, I don't think. There are going to be more people there in the, later on in the day. So how well do you think this man was known who's at the temple? Pretty well. They've seen him going in and out of that temple every day. And if it's a man, he could be, you know, I mean, when we used to bar mitzvah, they, was, they were 14 years old, right? So he could be 15, he could be 16, he could be 30, he could be 40. We don't know. But he's been there a while. Everybody knows him as a fixture. So what kind of spot did he pick? Prime spot, primo spot, okay? He's going to get most of the people that are going through there. Why is the gate called beautiful? Okay. Pictures. Okay, here's Herod's temple. This is Herod's temple. Okay. The temple per se is right here. It's, this, it's just this building. All around here, on all four sides, is Solomon's porch. 
this is really where the Jews can go, and this is all the court of the Gentiles. All this out here, this open space, all around here, is where the Gentiles can gather. The beautiful gate's right there. It's that little, you probably can't see it, but that's the beautiful gate that goes into that particular area. So looking at it a little closer, this is that area that I was talking about that's just, you know, this is, you can see a little bit of, of where the court of the Gentiles is all here, but this is the area I want to concentrate at. This is the temple. This is the entrance in to the temple area, and this is the ample entrance into looking at all this. This is the beautiful gate. There's gates over here. There's gates over here. There's a bunch of gates over here and a bunch of gates over here. But this is the main gate. If you walk in, oops, you're going to see something like that. To make more sense why they called it the gate beautiful, you've got all the gates you can walk in, but the only one that you're going to get a view like this is if you come in through the gate beautiful. The layout inside that area that I had talked about, I'm going to go back again. The layout of this area here, just this area, looks like this. This is the women's court. And there's four, those four chambers that were there, you could see. This eastern outer gate, that's the beautiful gate. Okay? Then you have this inner gate, you know, that one that was kind of ornate that had a had structure over it. I can go back for a second. Oops, went the wrong way. I didn't go back. That great right there. What? Gold stones. Well, it's gold and white. I'm not sure. I don't think they're gold. I think they used something that was a, looked like gold, but... This is, again, this, this area right here is the women's court, and those four areas, you can see they're right there that are in this particular court. Come on. But you've got the women's court, and these were all the, all the gates I was talking about. You can come in here, but this is the court of men right here. Then you have inside that building, inside the temple itself, you have the court of the priests. And then you have the holy place and most holy place. The women's court, this is the lepers' chambers. I thought that was interesting. They had a chamber just for the lepers. They could go there. This is a corner, they call it a corner court. I don't know. This is, a, this is where they kept the wood. And this is for the Nazarites. So you had four areas where people of specific areas could gather. But then you had the women's court. And then outside all this was where the Gentiles were. So that's how it's laid up. And you can, so you can see, when, when people are coming in here, he is in a prime spot. Everybody's seen him. Everybody knows who he is. And this includes Gentiles are going to see him. Because they're going to be out there in the outer court. They're going to be in the court of the Gentiles. They're going to see this guy. They know who he is. So all the Jews know who he is. All the Gentiles who go into the temple area, they all know who he is. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So why do you think he targeted Peter and John? Probably, excuse me, probably reputation. Probably... It's been long enough that there may have been a crowd around Peter and John because of the things they've been doing. Huh? You're gonna, yeah, you're going you're gonna to know John and Peter are there because they're doing miracles. 
right? And they're preaching the word. They have people who are, who are probably following, probably focusing on them. Why do you think they wanted his undivided attention? They said, look at us. Because the man was just saying, alms, 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 just his broadcasting at this particular point. And Peter, Peter says, look at us. Peter knew what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do at that point. And he wanted the man's attention. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. And what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. Seized by the right hand, he, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. So, before he was up, Peter reaches down and grabs him. He says, I don't have any money. And he starts, he grabs him by the wrist and he's going to pull him up. What do you think went through the guy's mind? Yeah, he didn't know what he was going to do. So, how much faith did the man have before he was healed? Zero. Zero. No faith. He had, yeah, but he had no faith. He had no clue what Peter was going to do. He was just looking for what? Money. It's the only thing he was looking for. To what level was the man healed? He was, yeah, he was leaping immediately. His ankles and his legs were strengthened, and he's leaping and running around. I mean, this guy is just popping all over the place, okay? It's not like we see, quote, miraculously healings where somebody barely gets out of the wheelchair today. This is the power of God. Yeah, they just, they just pop, and they're just popping all around. That's the way this guy was. I mean, his legs were sticks, Right? There was no muscle development. There was muscle there, but it was, it had all shriveled up. The, I've got a problem right now with my Achilles tendon. I can't imagine how his tendons had just kind of shrunk and everything like that. So that's what, this, that's what kind of condition this guy is in. And he goes from that to a guy who's leaping around. And everybody knew who he was. The man's response? He praised God. He knew where it came from because the man said, because Peter said, this is from Jesus Christ. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being with the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So the response of the people Yeah, they eventually they gathered around, but they were saying, I know who this guy was. I, I've been walking by this guy for years, and now he can do this? I, I saw his legs. I saw them all, they were all atrophied and like that. And now his legs look normal, he's jumping, he's walking around. This is crazy stuff. Right. 
And, and Peter and John were, they get into who they give. He, he makes sure he gives credit to God. While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together and, uh, to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. <laughs> so why was he clinging to Peter and John? Could be, could be, might thought had something to do with them. I think it was because they recognized this was truly a man of God. So when they go to the portico of Solomon, how accessible are they going to be? Remember the portico? I can put it in blue, highlight in blue. It goes all the way around. And if this is the beautiful gate, it may be, this is behind the walls here. And another look at it, it kind of looks like that. That's a big space. And if they're in the portico of, which could be Solomon's porch, another way of saying Solomon's porch, who else is out there? This is the court of the Gentiles. So it's a mix. If you're inside this area here, strictly Jews. If you're in this area, you're in and around the Jews and the Gentiles. You've got the whole mix in there. Matter of fact, if I kind of look at it, look how big that court is, and look how big this court is, you're going to have a lot of Gentiles, aren't you? at this particular point. This is, a, this is where all the commerce goes on in the court of the Gentiles. So, but when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety we made them him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So he's still, well, I'll get to that. So who's Peter, Peter speaking to and who is he is not speaking to? Well, they should know better. That's true. Would you say, I know you I see your mouth moving. He's, he's speaking strictly to the Israelites. He's not talking to the Gentiles at all. So why does he ignore the Gentiles? What's the mindset? What was the mindset for the Messiah? Well, that may be it. Should, but what do they think about the Gentiles? Do yeah, the Jews. Dogs. Dogs. Vicious, snarling, steal food from you. Dogs, okay? 
Who is the Messiah supposed to come for in their mind? The Jews. We have in Colossians, I read, we talked a little bit about this, but it was, uh, talks about the church, and he talks about preaching, but that is the mystery which had been hidden from past age and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed, made known, the riches and glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. That's true, but the mystery was to who? It was to the Jews. You also have the same thing in Ephesians. The mystery is that, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. But it wasn't until Paul wrote these letters that he continued it on. Now we're going to get to it a little bit later in Acts where basically God's got to come up and hit Peter with a two by four to get his attention about the Gentiles. Did Jesus indicate that the gospel was going to be open to the Gentiles? Yes. Talks about the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's come. He's come for his sheep. His sheep would be the people of Israel. But he gets to the end and he ends up. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. So there's one, one kind of highlight that Jesus said to say, there's more. There's more to it than you're thinking. Yes, I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I came for you. But I have other sheep. And this one. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Similar to the one in Matthew. But he gave him the great commission, right? And he didn't say, go into all the Jews and preach to the Jews. He said, go into all the world. So far, were they doing that? No. Men of Israel. That's the way he started his whole speech. Now, did Jesus do anything? Could have confused them. One is going, nope. How about this one? This is where he's there. And he withdrew to Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman came out of the area and saying, have mercy on me. My, my daughter's demon possessed. And when she asked for his help, he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Was he? Yes. His message was to the Jews while he was here. But his death and his burial and his resurrection was to the world. But he was coming to the Jews first. It's kind of interesting. He said, and he answered, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So that's what they thought of Gentiles. And her comeback was great. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then he says, your faith, your daughter's going to be healed. Right? So he does recognize her. Has God recognized Gentiles in the past? 
Yeah. Name one. Yeah, the widow. I can think of Nebuchadnezzar. Pretty powerful Gentile. God was with him, wasn't he? Matter of fact, when he said, look at all the things I've done, what did God do? Struck him kind of dumb for a while until he figured out, no, this wasn't because of me. It's because of God blessed me. So, but you disowned the holy and righteous one. We're back into the Acts. And asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But, Put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact which we are witnesses. So he, what's he just kind of told them? He killed God, okay. But he didn't stay dead. God raised him up. And we all saw it. Because he came for what? How many days was it? I don't remember what it was. Do you remember, Brent? How many days, or Paul, do you remember how many days he came and visited after, before he ascended? 40, 40. 40 days? I thought it was 40. 40 days. So he was around, in and around the whole area for about 40 days. We all saw him. You know who he was because you watched him up on the cross because you were there chanting at him when he was up there on the cross. You know who he was. Is it similar to a previous speech? Acts 2. Yeah. Day of Pentecost. What happened after he just said this and the one that he did in Acts chapter 2? What should we do? That's the one. Acts 2.38. Repent every one of you. Be baptized for mission is in. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on the basis of faith in his name... It is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see now, see and know and the faith which comes through him has given him the perfect health in the presence of you all. Whose faith? Remember the man didn't know what he was going to get. He was expecting money. Whose faith? Hmm? Christ's faith, but who had faith that that power was going to go into that man? Peter. Didn't he? Peter, there's no, was there any doubt in Peter's mind that that man was going to be healed? None. So who worked the miracle? Somebody say God. Can you be more specific? Who, was, who did Jesus send? Spirit. Way back in Genesis. Who was speaking? First chapter. Spoke everything into existence. Who was that? Jesus. Christ says in him and through him and for him, everything was formed. Okay, that's in Colossians. And you can go in, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. That's Christ, right? So 
What moved across the waters that made it all happen? The Spirit. You can see here, they're still working together, aren't they? The will of the Father is being fulfilled. Jesus tells us what that will is, and the Spirit makes it happen. The three are one, working as one together. And now, brethren, I know you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So what's he doing for everybody who's still listening? kind of giving them an out. You were ignorant. You didn't know. You didn't understand. Didn't he? I mean, he, he said, you killed him, but you didn't know who he was. So he kind of, he didn't do that on the previous one, did he? The day of Pentecost? No. He dug in. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. This one's kind of confusing, isn't it? From what Peter says here, do you have a sense when Peter thinks Christ is coming back? First of all, Peter at this point thinks it's the, the gospel is just to who? Just to the Jews. And when we get everything fixed up, what's going to happen? Christ comes back. So what's times of refreshing? I read that and I went. Well, if you look at it, the context, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come. Yeah, that's where I think it's, I think that's where Peter's talking about the times of refreshing is that, and I put some things in, it comes, the Greek word here is anapsisix, which is revive. Revive is a little bit different than refresh. And it comes from anapsucho, which means to cool off, to relieve, or refresh in this particular kind. And that's the whole That's a pillar of Christianity, right? You can't earn your own salvation. It's a gift. So, the refreshing or the relieving, what do we think that means? 
Well, I had thought about it for, for a while. When I got to this part, I probably, I, I let my lesson go. I sat down for a while and I took a few hours and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. Out of Romans. And I'm going to read the whole thing. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him, being Christ. In Christ, if Christ is in you, though, the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, from the, from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That verse right there. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what would refreshed or relieved be? You don't have to work for it. The spirit in us takes and renews our spirit continually. That's part of his working in Christians is to, is to revive, to relieve, to refresh our spirit and keep it clean and keep it where we can be with God. The justification for the Spirit doing that is what? Christ's death. If Christ hadn't come and died, there was no justification for the Spirit to come into us. Again, they're working together. You've got to look at them as working together. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. Who's this prophet that Moses is talking about? talking about Jesus. Yeah. Prophet, priest, and king. The three things he is. So what's the context Moses is speaking from? Where's this reference back into? It's a book we study all the time. Not. Is that a Deuteronomy? Well, it's not a Deuteronomy at all. And I put in the first verse out of the, out of the thought. When you enter the land which the Lord God gives you, you should not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. So what's Moses talking about here? What land is this? Canaan, okay. And this is to the Israelites that have just come out of exile. Not exile, out of, out of slavery. And God says, when you, Moses said, because this is what God told him, when you get there, don't adapt their ways. And then we go into the verses that Peter was talking about. I will raise up a prophet from among your countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them that all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words 
which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require of him. So here's where Moses is talking about somebody who's going to come as a prophet. And the context is to say close to God, to listening to God, to listen to the prophets of God, because there's going to be a prophet that comes that is going to be more important than all the prophets that have previously come. And he's the one you need to listen to. And that's in yellow because it's the same verse. What are the days Peter's referring to? Talked about it in the last speech that he did in chapter 2. It's the last days. And he pulled it from Joel. It will come after that that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and on your sons and daughters with prophecy. But Paul prefaced it. This is in the latter days. And then he took this prophecy that was out of Joel. That this is going to happen. And he said, we're in the latter days. So that's what he's talking about right now. We're in these days right now that Moses was referring to. Finally, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. So he's still addressing the Israelites, right? The only people he's talking to right now. Where do you think the Gentiles are? They're all standing around too. They're hearing all this stuff, but they're saying, but we're outside of the promise. When Peter said this, what should have come to his mind? The prom- yeah, what came to mind was the promise of Abraham. Look how it's stated. In your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He's got the right verse. Spirit inspired him to say the right thing. But he ain't got it yet. He didn't understand. He still didn't understand totally. I'm, I'm wondering what the Gentiles were standing there going, wait a minute, you said all? Because you're right. I think, I think Clayton, you said, the Gentiles don't know all about God. They don't know all about the prophets. But they just know what Peter just said. Peter's first speech was with the other 11 apostles. And it was not, probably not in the temple. Remember? It was the noise. Sounded like a rushing wind. It wasn't a wind, but it sounded like a rushing wind wherever they were. And when they came out, all the people came and they heard that noise, that big noise. But it wasn't in the temple. This is in the temple. What's the possible consequences given that Peter, Peter has done miracles? And he gave a pretty fiery speech in the temple court. I'm sorry, what? He'd get arrested. He'd get stoned. Remember Stephen gave more or less the same kind of a speech? And they killed him? So 
Now, you've moved from wherever that first speech was part Peter gave on the day of Pentecost to this speech in the temple court. Granted, it's in the court of the Gentiles, but it's in the temple court. Well, yeah, he, and notice the way Peter did it. He healed the man. Well, yeah, God did it. He healed the man. And once he healed the man, he did use that as an opportunity to teach about Christ. He didn't just stand up and start talking about Christ, did he? He had an opportunity he took and said, I can use this for God. And It, it, yeah, it, sh- it should have been to the Jews and Gentiles. You're right. But it was strictly to the Jews. Peter said, men of Israel. And it was strictly to the Jews at this particular point. Peter doesn't get knocked on the head for uh, Cornelius until a couple of chapters from now. And I, I don't know how many days it was or how many months it was, but it's a while before he, God gets his attention. And it takes three times for the sheet to come down and go back up again and go down and come back up again before he gets a message. But here you've got now, that's the first bell. You've got the, he said back a couple of verses ago. Let's see. Didn't ignorance. Come on. Here. Right here. Brethren, I know you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. Who did he just get the attention? Who did he just focus on the attention? Your rulers. Where are the rulers right now? Who are the rulers? Pharisees, Sadducees. You think some of them are standing around? Oh, yeah. You're in the temple right now. So he's gone and brought was outside the temple, outside the court, right there. And he's now preaching to say, what you're doing right now, this giving sacrifices, this temple, it's a waste of time. You need to be following Christ because this stuff, it's been fulfilled. What's the, what's the holy of holies missing at this point? Hmm? Well, the curtain's been ripped. They probably repaired that. The ark. The Babylonian captivity, they took the ark with them. And I don't know what they've got sitting in that holy of holies, but it isn't the ark of the covenant. So it's kind of a shadow of a shadow, you know, when... When uh, in Hebrews it says the shadow of things to come, but it was, this is now a shadow of a shadow because it doesn't even have the mercy seat. But they're continuing to have it. Why? Exactly. This is how the Pharisees leveraged their control. They were in that. Remember I said all the structure, you had the court for the men. You had inside that the court for the priests. 
Who could get it in the holies of holies and see what was there? One guy, the high priest, he's the only one. Is he going to tell anybody there's nothing there? No. Absolutely not. So, Peter's just giving a speech in the temple. He's just giving a speech about Christ. And that your forgiveness of sins doesn't come from killing animals. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. And he did it. And you can't earn it. And he's just given in the temple. What kind of consequences do you think is going to be? The, the leadership that thinks they had this stuff stamped out. Sets it up for Brent next week. Well, yeah. They, well, some did. A lot of them didn't. But you're going to see the response next week with Brent's teaching to say, this is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is how they respond to Peter and Christ and Christ being preached in the temple. Questions? Comments? Did you learn anything you didn't know? Maybe. <laughs>